It's 6 Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific. Why aren't they in jail right now? They brutally attacked a New York City police officer. Coast to coast and around the world, from the America Out Loud talk radio studios. Our criminal justice system is upside down. It fails every day. It's time for The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott. Have you ever watched the HBO series The Wire? It isn't one I've ever watched, but I've heard people talk about it, and I've had some friends that love it. I always watched The Sopranos back in the day, and I loved that series on HBO. I guess this Wire just isn't my type of show, but apparently it is the type of show for a Hawaii Supreme Court justice. A big ruling in Hawaii from that state's Supreme Court is an attack on the Second Amendment. Shall not be infringed means just that. This justice in Hawaii quoted the HBO series in the ruling. And wait, I'm going to say that again for you. A Hawaii Supreme Court justice quoted a TV show, The Wire, in a ruling against the Second Amendment. You can't make this up, folks. I wish all of this was a dream because I would love to wake up from this nightmare. I'm Booker Scott, and this is The Truth Be Told on America Out Loud Talk Radio, and this hour is brought to you by my partner, Gold Co. Just go to BookerLikesGold.com to find out more and to find out if you qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. That's BookerLikesGold.com. This hour, we'll dive into that Hawaii case and ruling and also head to the Supreme Court where SCOTUS heard arguments from the state of Colorado when that state's three-judge Supreme Court ruled that someone running for president can't be on the ballot. And when we do that, I'll play you some of that hearing right here. Chris Widener joins me for a conversation about the Republican Party. I talked about that party last night being in shambles. Is it? What do you think? We'll find out what Chris says about that, what his opinion is on the state of the Republican Party, and author Craig Huey. He's going to be here. He's going to share some key strategies for getting people out to vote in 2024. Now, back to the TV show, The Wire, and this quack judge in Hawaii. This had to do over conceal carry, and a unanimous decision completely disregards the right to bear arms. And no doubt, this is another one headed to the Supreme Court. But I can't get over the fact that this judge quoted the wire in the ruling, actually in the opinion. That's where we are in America in 2024. And in my opinion, there should be a law against that. I expect more, and so should you. Ultimately, what the Hawaii Supreme Court said is that they disagree with the United States Supreme Court, and it upholds a state law that prevents people from carrying a gun without a license. Let's get into some of the details of the case. First of all, it was a five-to-nothing unanimous decision by these bozos. Justice Todd Eddins wrote the opinion where he said that, quote, States retain the authority to require individuals to have a license before carrying a firearm in public, unquote. At the heart of their decision is the interpretation of Hawaii's state constitution, which is just like the Second Amendment. It reads, quote, 
a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Let me repeat that. Shall not be infringed. In the opinion that this Eddins wrote, he said, We read those words differently than the United States Supreme Court. We hold that in Hawaii, there is no state constitutional right to carry a firearm in public. So they just interpret the same words differently than the Supreme Court of the United States. And that makes it okay. He said the right was instead militia-centric, as courts had long understood the Second Amendment before the U.S. Supreme Court, starting in 2008, recognized an individual right to bear arms for self-defense in its District of Columbia versus Heller ruling. Quote, Those words do not support a right to possess lethal weapons in public for possible self-defense. That's Eden's words in this opinion. Now, the case stems from a case against a guy that was arrested and charged for being on someone's property with a gun that wasn't registered. The judge at the court level ruled the defendant's Second Amendment rights had been violated, citing the 2022 U.S. Supreme Court ruling. The ruling he cited was a 6-3 to decision by SCOTUS, and for the first time, An individual's right to carry a gun for self-defense was recognized by that Supreme Court decision. In Eden's opinion, he said that SCOTUS' decision didn't bar states from making their own laws. And then, this is where he gets to the wire quote in his written opinion. Time traveling to 1791 or 1868 to collar how a state regulates lethal weapons per the Constitution's democratic design is a dangerous way to look at the federal Constitution. The Constitution is not a suicide pact. To illustrate his point and add some color to it, he quoted Slim Charles, whoever that is. This is a Supreme Court justice in Hawaii, and he's quoting Slim Charles, who is a character on The Wire. And here's what he said. The thing about the old days, they the old days. Hawaii State Supreme Court Judge, Justice Todd Eddins said, The thing about the old days, they the old days. And he attributed that to Slim Charles, a fictional character in The Wire. Somebody wake me up. This one is headed to the Supreme Court. Speaking of SCOTUS, you know, I've talked about the states and that have tried to remove Donald Trump off the ballot. Colorado did and argued all the way to the Supreme Court. He went to the state court first, and it was a three to nothing unanimous decision there. Trump can't be on the ballot in Colorado. Michigan Supreme Court ruled that they couldn't keep Trump off the ballot. And Maine's Secretary of State has said Trump couldn't be on the ballot there, and that state's court has sided with her. But they also issued a stay as they wait for SCOTUS to rule on the Colorado case. Well, the Colorado case was heard Thursday, February 8th. At issue here are a couple of things. One, due process. Colorado is trying to keep Donald Trump off the ballot for inciting an insurrection, even though Donald Trump 
hasn't been charged with insurrection. And none of Trump's cases have gone to trial yet. So the question is, how do you keep someone off a ballot for a crime they haven't been convicted of? There was a hearing in Colorado, and they determined to take him off the ballot. But it wasn't a real criminal case. So that's one, due process. And the other is whether a state really has the authority under the law to disenfranchise the people by taking a national candidate off a state ballot. Of course, elections are run by the state level, and we know that. That's one thing we have learned since the election of 2020. I've listened to quite a few SCOTUS hearings through the years, and I always find them fascinating. And if you've never listened, you really should. I've learned you really can't base any opinion after listening to these hearings by the questions the justices may ask of any of the attorneys that are making the arguments before them. But there were some really interesting questions here from these justices on Thursday, even the justices appointed by Democrat presidents. Let's start with Justice Jackson. read your opening brief to accept uh, that those events counted as an insurrection, um, but then your reply seemed to suggest that they were not. So what, what is your position oh, as to that? We, we never accepted or conceded in our opening brief that this was an insurrection. What we said in our opening brief was President Trump did not engage in any act that can plausibly be characterized as insurrection. All right, so because why would not this not engage. be an insurrection? What is your argument that it's not? Your reply brief says that it wasn't because I think you say um, it did not involve an organized attempt to overthrow right. the government. So That's one of many reasons. But for an insurrection, there needs to be an organized, concerted effort to overthrow the government of the United States through violence. And this and So the point that is that a chaotic effort to overthrow the government is not an insurrection? No, we didn't concede that it's an effort to overthrow the government either, Justice Jackson. Right? None of these criteria were met. This was a riot. It was not an insurrection. The events were shameful, criminal, violent, all of those things, but it did not qualify as insurrection as that term is used in Section 3. Thank you. And if you remember when Justice Jackson was being confirmed in the Senate, she is the one that could not define what a woman is when she was asked that question in her confirmation in the Senate. If you remember, Justice Jackson there was nominated and sent to the Senate for confirmation by Joe Biden since he has been in office. She will start asking questions of Jason Murray. He is the attorney for Colorado. Let's listen to a little bit of his opening statement, and then we'll go to Justice Jackson. She'll have a different sound when she starts asking questions of Murray. We are here because for the first time since the War of 1812, our nation's capital came under violent assault. For the first time in history, the attack was incited by a sitting president of the United States to disrupt the peaceful transfer of presidential power. By engaging in insurrection against the Constitution, President Trump disqualified himself from public office. That first clip you heard from Justice Jackson was one to Donald Trump's attorney. And of course, Donald Trump, again, has not been charged for insurrection. He has not even gone to trial yet in any of these cases. So that is a big part of the argument. There is due process until Donald Trump goes through the process of trials and whether he's convicted or not. How can anybody, any state, keep him off a ballot? And that's what all these arguments about. Now let's go to Justice Jackson again. And now she is questioning Colorado's attorney. 
This is Jason Murray again, and pay attention to her questioning now because if you listen to her, you're going to think that she's going to be siding for Donald Trump. But again, like I said a few minutes ago, don't take their questions to mean anything. Here's Justice Jackson again. You said, I think, that the framers actually envisioned states enforcing Section 3, um, uh, at least in some circumstances where there were insurgents and Confederates. And I guess in my view of the history, I'm wondering really whether presidential elections were such a circumstance, that the framers um, actually envisioned states enforcing Section 3 with respect to presidential elections as opposed to senatorial elections, representatives, the sort of more local concerns. So can you speak to the argument that really Section 3 was about preventing the South from rising again in the context of these sort of local elections as opposed to focusing on the presidency? Well, two points on that, Justice Jackson. First is that, as I discussed earlier, there isn't the same history of states regulating ballot access at this time. So ballot access rules to ex- restrict presidential candidates wouldn't have, wouldn't have existed. They wouldn't have been raised one way or another. Right, but I'm not but, making a distinction between ballot access and no, anything else. Understood, yeah. but the more, yeah. the more broad point I want to make is that what is very clear from the history is, is that the framers were concerned about charismatic rebels who might rise through the ranks up to and including the presidency of the United States. But then why didn't they put the word president in the very enumerated list in Section 3? The thing that really is troubling to me is I totally understand your argument, but they were listing people that were barred, and president is not there. And so I guess that just makes me worry that maybe they weren't focusing on the president and, for example, the fact that electors of vice president and president are there suggests that really what they thought was if we're worried about the charismatic person, we're going to bar insurrectionist electors and therefore that person is never going to rise. This came up in the debates in Congress over Section 3, where uh, Reverdy Johnson said, why haven't you included president and vice president in the language? And Senator Morrill responds, we have. Look at the language, any office under the United States. Yes, but doesn't that at least suggest ambiguity? And this sort of ties into Justice Kavanaugh's point. In other words, we had a, a person right there at the time saying what I'm saying. The, the language here doesn't seem to include president. Why is that? And so if there's an ambiguity, why would we construe it to, as Justice Kavanaugh pointed out, uh, against democracy? It was a very interesting hearing. And as I said earlier, don't make anything out of the questioning. It's just really interesting. It lasted about two hours and 15 minutes. The decision for that is coming next Friday. February 16th, so we'll sit and watch. I want to hit on this real quick before the break. Uh, Since we're talking about the persecution and prosecutions of Donald Trump, a couple of his cases have to do with classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Remember when the FBI raided down there? Just for some background, Trump was president with the authority to declassify anything that he wants, and he has a right to take the documents. Uh, The National Archives had been working with the Trump team prior to that raid as they were trying to get some of them back. Uh, So there was some dialogue back and forth, but the FBI decided to raid and Joe Biden's DOJ indicted Trump for those documents. 
We'll find out more about all of that in South Florida case with Judge Cannon as she made that ruling last week that Jack Smith must turn over information to Trump's defense. Uh, Smith had been trying to prevent Trump's team from seeing whatever it is he thinks he has. But now, Special Prosecutor Robert Hur, who was put in charge of all the Joe Biden classified documents, he comes out with a report. And let me point out that Biden, as vice president or a senator, had no authority to have any classified documents anywhere, and he knew it. That's totally different from the former president. Her's report, it's a report. There are no indictments here. It's a two-tier justice. Why not indictments for Joe Biden? I didn't know we were getting a report, but we got another report. Investigations and reports, it's about all the government is good for anymore, and they're not real good with that either. Her's report summed up this about Biden, and this is a quote. He willfully retained, unquote, marked and unmarked classified material at his home. Remember the Corvette and the box of classified documents in his garage? Speaking of that Corvette, I wonder if he's finished making his payments to the CCP for that. Back to the Her report. Her said this risked serious damage to America's national security, yet Joe Biden will not be charged. Her said Biden has no legal authority to have these materials. So why isn't Biden being charged, and Trump is, for the exact same thing? Someone, please, wake me up from this nightmare. If you've turned on the TV or watched anything on the news online, our country is down and out. The Tower of Babel is falling. And now's the time to protect yourself and your temple from destruction. And to do that, that means protecting your resources, including your savings, so you can protect and defend your legacy and your posterity from destruction. That's why thousands of good Americans are arming themselves with physical gold and silver from Gold Co. Go to BookerLikesGold.com and also while you're there, find out if you qualify for $10,000 of free bonus silver from Gold Co. Go to BookerLikesGold.com. Dot com. Coming up next, it's Chris Widener. More The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott in Minute on America Out Loud Radio. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. 
World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash outloud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. And you are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. Uh, don't forget, while you're here, go to americaoutloud.news. Check out all the great articles from great contributors there. There's also a bunch of podcasts that are not available here on talk radio. So check that out while you're there and the shop. Uh, use that code out loud and do some shopping while you're there at americaoutloud.news. I'm Booker Scott, and now joining us for the conversation is going to be Chris Widener. He's been here before. He and Dinesh D'Souza have joined together to create the Red Referral Network. That website is the Red Referral Net, redreferralnetwork.com, not the. Uh, leave that out. But Chris, welcome back to the conversation. Hey, Booker. Always great to join you. I appreciate you. And last night I did a segment about is the GOP in shambles? And really, when you go back to the beginning of Kevin McCarthy and 16 votes, and then he's ousted, and then Speaker Johnson comes in, and now you look at the Senate, and they are talking about trying to replace Mitch McConnell again. Ronna McDaniel will be stepping down next week after the South Carolina primary. Is the GOP in a shambles right now? You know, I don't know that I would use the word shambles. And I was thinking about a good analogy for this. You know, I do business coaching for people who want to do, you know, grow their business or whatever. And I, for some reason or another, I've had a lot of young men who are taking over their company from their dads. So I'll get some 30-year-old guy and he just became the CEO of a family-owned business. His dad's 75 and he's quote unquote retiring. And you can probably see where I'm going with this. The number one problem I have to deal with these young guys as they take over their dad's company is my dad won't leave. Uh-huh. I'm in charge, but my dad won't leave. <laughs> right. And, and and that's what I think we have right now. We the the populist conservative populist movement within the party has taken over. Um, effectively taken over in regard to voting power, but we haven't taken over the structural power. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening is 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 we need to to move on. But those who've made a lot of money and had a lot of power and a lot of prestige, they don't want to let that go. And and many of them don't believe what we believe, and they think they're the true Republican Party and all this. That's what I would think 
probably looks like shambles, but it's really a power struggle about the old folks letting go and the new folks taking over. I think that's a great analogy, and it is an identity crisis in a way. Uh, the old guard Republican Party, uh, the ones in charge, the apparatus that exists in the country, yep. it is it identifies one way, and yet the Republican Party really represents a different group of people. And for some, there there's really a clash right now, and I think we're seeing that. Well, and here's what here's what really disappoints me amongst these so-called never Trumpers, who are the people who have been the apparatus, as you call it. They've been the leaders. They've been the apparatus. It's the mainstream, you know, those kinds of folks. But here's what really bothers me: um, for decades, we conservatives have tried to put somebody forward. They get beat in the primary, mm -hmm. and now in the general, we are asked to support. People like John McCain and Mitt Romney. And what did we do? Mitch we are loyal people. We hold our nose and we vote. And we do it because we know that that they're going to be better than the alternative. Maybe not much better, but better than the alternative. What we see now is absolute, complete disloyalty on the part of the mainstream Republicans to support who the rest of the party wants to do. And I, I know a former congressman who's a never-Trumper. And I just told him, you know what you're like? You're like the kid who tried out for point guard on the basketball team in high school. You got beat out, and now you sit at the end of the bench not supporting your team and making snide comments and gossiping about the coach and whining and complaining and not contributing. That's what we have. We yeah. have people who they sit on the end of the bench and they complain about Trump. Yeah, and the guy couldn't dribble or pass either one. He had no, no, right. <laughs> no. He had no reason to believe he was a point guard, but uh, right. he exactly. still he still is angry about it and bitter over it. When you look at Ronna McDaniel stepping down, what type of person do you believe should be in that position? I know a lot of people, especially on X, uh, they'll throw out Scott Pressler, who I love, and I wish we had ten thousand of him across the country. <laughs> But I don't know that he is the fit or the prototype, and I don't know that we need a prototype in that position. But what type of person, personality-wise, do you see as an RNC chair? I, I think it's somebody who only – I think you only need a couple things. I think, number one, you need to be open-minded and understand that people disagree. I mean, the Republicans in Massachusetts do not look like the Republicans in Oklahoma or Texas. They just don't. We, we need to have a big tent. I, I really yeah. believe that because you have to get to 50.01% one way or the other. So they need to understand that they are leading a vast group of people. And, and I think they could hold a conservative position or they can even hold a liberal position as long as they understand that they serve the people and the people choose the candidates. And number two, they need to be able to raise money. I mean, that's that's yeah. the job. Yeah, yeah. Raise money. And I suppose and, and, and I suppose lastly, um, you know, be able to lead lead people, you know, the the state chairs and things like that. I found it fascinating that Matt Gates, I mean, instantaneously. <laughs> I was about to bring it up. Said, yeah. I support Kevin McCarthy. And you know, Kevin McCarthy is a fundraiser extraordinaire. Yeah, he is. And um, you know, I think that a guy like Kevin if he can get past his ego and not hate the, the conservatives for what happened, ousting him and things like that. Um, but my congressman, who he, he loves Kevin and uh, and thinks that he's great. 
And he also, you know, he also understands that that Kevin did himself in. He made a promise he didn't keep and out the door you go. Right. And, that, so, and I think that's a personality problem, too. If he were, and I about fell out of my chair when I read that post by Matt Gates uh, on social media, and and I, I mentioned it to somebody, and they said, "Well, that's he's just it's a joke." I said, "No, it's it's serious because Kevin McCarthy is a great fundraiser, and that's really what you need. Especially the Republican Party hasn't been doing very good at raising money lately." Yeah, uh, and Kevin Kevin doesn't seem acerbic, you know, like he he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to burn a bunch of bridges call people names. I don't think he's going to go into one state and say, you can't run this candidate. I think he wants to win. And I think he knows that different states and different regions, even within states, I mean, Austin, Texas is not like Lubbock, Texas. No, not at you all. Know? No. So, and, no. and that's a thing I think that we conservatives need to understand is not everybody has to look like, I would rather have a moderate Republican win in Massachusetts. If if there is no chance whatsoever for a conservative win, I'd rather have a moderate Republican there and and get our numbers up to where we control the House, the Senate, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, Mike Lawler in New York is a perfect example of that. Yeah. The guy yeah. the guy is not America first. He's not MAGA, but he he took a seat. Uh, from the guy that was responsible for winning the house for Nancy Pelosi. That's how big, yep. a, that's how big a win that was. And yet I see so many people kind of go after him uh, and we forget that there are 435 in the house of representatives and each one of them represents their constituents, whether it be in Massachusetts or Mike Lawler in New York there or Lubbock, Texas. And so we're all a little bit different. And you mentioned that big tent and it's something that I speak about a, a lot because I think sometimes we get down into the weeds and we dig our heels in on little tertiary arguments when we should be looking at the bigger picture ideas, things like school choice and safety and security for our families, a hope for a future a sovereign nation. Those should be ideas that we all agree on. And yet we spend all of our time arguing about abortion or uh, the second amendment, whatever it is, instead of those great big ideas that people can get behind even in the middle and maybe a little bit on the left, a moderate Democrat. Yeah, we need we need visionary leaders is, you know, that's I think that's one of the things that made Reagan so great. I think it's one of the things that made Trump so uh, loved by people is they paint. I can't remember the exact quote, Booker, you probably remember it. But, you know, um, um, Reagan used to talk about painting in big broad colors or big, mm -hmm. bold colors or something like that, if I if I were getting it sort of even paraphrased, right? But that's what leaders do. Leaders paint the big picture that moves people to vote. And I mean, frankly, that's how Obama won. You know, Obama, yeah. Obama gave this dream. He, you know, he was a, I, I started a, I literally started a Facebook page. I ended up uh, getting rid of it, but uh, we built a million people. It was called Positively Republican. It doesn't even exist anymore. We had over a million people on that Facebook page. It grew so fast that the head of the technology division for uh, the RNC called us and said, how does a guy, how does a guy in a little, you know, in a little town in Washington state have more people on their Facebook page than the RNC? Yeah. And I started Positively Republican on one idea. We got out-hoped and out-changed yeah. in the 2008 election. And our message was bad. And he painted big, broad, uh, you know, uh, picture for people to follow. And that's what we need out of our leaders. Big, bold, broad stroke leaders. And uh, Obama, to your point, 
it was hope. That that's all he sold yep. was hope. It was one word. It was that was his message was hope for everyone, yep. and people fell for it. And I, I yep. think I think the Republicans in general have a huge messaging problem, and I think that a leader there would probably solve that. But I also think that people are looking. Uh, I asked this question the other night. I said uh, we were having a conversation. I said, "Who is the DNC chair?" And nobody could answer. Yet the yeah. the, the DNC is a machine. Uh, they're, they're, they are a they're, machine. They're, they're 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 able to raise money. They're organized. They walk in lockstep, which is something else I want to talk to you about. These Republicans, we were able to get power in the twenty two midterm. We come into the one hundred eighteenth Congress. And you look at the Mayorkas vote, you you lose four votes there, and there's no doubt in my mind Mayorkas should be held accountable. Somebody has to be accountable, and it should be him if, for anything, he lied under oath in Congress. It, it, the Republicans always do that. There's always a faction, whether it was the Tea Party or the Freedom Caucus or whoever it is. You look at the Democrats, and when they get ready to vote for something, they all vote for it. Why is yep. that? Because they are bloodthirsty and they punish people who don't go along. And and Republicans are too nice. Yeah. The Speaker of the House and the whip, uh, they need to, I, mean, I think it's funny, they use the term whip. Okay, crack the whip. Yeah. If, if you don't vote with us, you get no money for your reelection. We'll get somebody in there who will vote with us. You know, we need to be able to, to whip those votes and get them up there. Now, I I actually was texting with somebody, and you might know this answer. I know that one of the guys who voted with the Democrats, he's going out the door, right? He's not running for for re-election. I don't know about the other three. There were were three that voted present, and there was one that was on a procedural thing. And, of course, Steve's— And then one of them is is leaving Congress, though. Yeah. And and, and I'll tell you what he's doing. He's preparing to make a big amount of money when he leaves Congress. He didn't want to do this and then try to go get into a lobbying firm or something like that. Yeah. So he's protecting himself. But the others, if they stick around Congress, they need to be taken off their their committees. They need to, you know, punish them. Yeah, but the Republicans never do that. To stick together. Yeah, but the Republicans never ever do that at all. And, no, and they nice. should. And, and back to Kevin McCarthy, real quick. Uh, you mentioned a few things that you look for in someone that would be the chair of the RNC, and you mentioned he could raise money real well, but I did come across a story that he was sort of going to make it his life's work now to go after, to unseat the people that went against him, that he was going to back candidates in those districts to, to beat the people that went after him. So can, do you really believe that he could put that behind him or would he be sitting in that chair going after those eight the nine people that went against him. I think it would be difficult for him to do that. He'd have to be pretty surreptitious to, to actually accomplish it. But uh, I don't know. I don't know him yeah. well enough, you know, um, or what his psyche is in regard to that uh, or anything he may have said or stated to to that degree. So I don't know really about that. I've met him once or twice. You know, he he seems like a schmoozer. Like, you know, he he'd be a great sales guy. You know, he, he'd be, you know, he'd be great at sales. Yeah. He makes people feel good. He makes them feel comfortable. He's soft spoken, you know, that kind of thing. But you never know what resides in somebody's mind and heart. What about Harmeet Dillon? She wanted that position. She ran for the election against Ronda McDaniel. Uh, just uh, what? When was that? Six months ago? Eight months ago? Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't long ago. 
and um, she got pretty good support. Uh, d- does she have the qualities that you're looking for? I'd love to see Harmeet do it. I mean, she uh, she's obviously brilliant. She's intelligent. Uh, I I don't know her leadership style per se, but and and then again, just to talk optics and things like that, be great to have a woman. Be be great to have a woman of color. Sure. You know, I mean, these are the things we're always accused of, and it's not like we're doing a DEI hire with Harmeet. No. She's brilliant. Yeah. She's successful. She's not getting it because of the color of her skin or her sex, right? She's getting it because she she's amazing at what she does. She's got a great vision of what we could do. But it, it's also not bad that she checks a couple of boxes that 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 allow us to say you guys are full of malarkey. Right. We're not the anti-immigrant, the anti-color uh, uh, people of color. We're not anti-woman. You, you know, you can stop with that. The person who's leading our party uh, is actually a a woman of color. I don't know how you get any more than that. But then, of course, what they do is they say, oh, yeah, Uncle Tom. And, you know, right. you know they, they come up with all those kinds of things. Even when we do what we're supposed to do, they they find some way to trash it. Last question. Mitch McConnell. It sounds like they are going to go after him and get him out, which it should have been done a long time ago. You remember um, Rick Scott, former governor of Florida and senator of Florida. Yeah. He attempted that. I would say that was about a year ago. They didn't have much success. I wonder now if somebody could. Uh, yeah, but didn't he just win re-election? I mean, he's got five years left. Um, you know, maybe in terms of being a senator, yeah. but in terms of leadership, he needs to be gone. I yeah. mean, I don't know if you watched uh, Laura Ingram interview um, Rand Paul last night, but, you know, my wife and I were sitting there watching and I'm going, I'm going, you know, look at these two guys. You couldn't be more different than Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul. No. And and you could just see the exasperation on, on his face and in his voice. And at one point, I think at the very end, he almost did a half eye roll about <laughs> Mitch. Um, I mean, frankly, here's my opinion on Mitch. Mitch should be forced out of the U.S. Senate. And I'll tell you why. He is married to a woman yeah. whose family owns one of the either top five or top 10 largest shipping companies in China. Right. His sister-in-law is a member of the CCP. Now, should he be allowed to marry that woman? Absolutely. Should he be allowed to inherit their money? Absolutely. In fact, uh, it was about two years ago when he filed his his uh, report, and this came out in uh, Peter Schweitzer's great book, Red Handed. Um, the difference between his previous financial filing and his next financial filing he had a net worth of almost $20 million more. Yeah. And his answer was, my father-in-law is doing estate planning. And I say, have at it. That's great. Families should pass their money along. However, it disqualifies you from being a U.S. senator. Especially the leader. You can married to somebody in the CCP and, and take their money or – uh, if you, if you marry them, you, you don't get to be a, a member of the U S Senate, let alone the leader of one of the parties in the U S Senate. Well, it, you said, it's too much, too you, much. You said Rand Paul halfway rolled his eyes. I have rolled my eyes so many times at Mitch McConnell. I end up cross-eyed. It happens quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Rand has to pretend he likes the guy because <laughs> yeah. they both, I, I said to my wife, I said, could you imagine the Kentucky Lincoln day dinner and having <laughs> these two guys show up? <laughs> Hey, Chris, thank you for joining us. Uh, the, the, he is partnered with Dinesh D'Souza, and the name of it is Red Referral 
network.com. If you are in business, if you're in sales, you need to connect with other people like you. And that's what it's all about, isn't it, Chris? It is. And I uh, appreciate you uh, pointing people toward redreferralnetwork.com. We'd love to take care of them there and appreciate you and all you're doing to save America. We are, I mean, really, we are on the brink. I, I don't, I hate sounding melodramatic, but I mean, even just last night, with uh, with the DOJ announcing that they are not going to pursue charges against Joe Biden uh, in the documents case, yeah. there has never been a more clear distinction between the what they're doing to those on the left and what they're doing to those on the right. They are corrupt. They are not the Department of Justice. They are the Department of Injustice. And when you lose your Department of Justice, where do you go from there? You're in dictator land. So, Chris, thank you for joining us. Uh, Really do appreciate it always. You have so much knowledge. Uh, Thanks for coming on Truth Be Told. Thanks for having me, Booker. I appreciate it. Coming up next, we're going to hear from author Craig Huey. He wrote the book about the deep state, but he also wrote a book about the things you should know as a Christian voter. And he has some incredible strategies that places around the country, churches around the country, are using and are working. You'll hear it next. And that's the truth. More Truth in Minutes on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Expert opinions, honest debate, and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from AmericaOutloud.news. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Asiya believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel and be our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them, from improving immune health, regulating hormone balance, supporting gut health, to soothing the skin, even reducing the appearance of wrinkles, fine lines, and cellulite, and providing targeted support for mind, mood, energy, and even our body's own production of collagen. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in becoming your best self and fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. 
That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CofixRx because it works. And on the way tonight at 7 o'clock, it is Unleashed, the political news hour. That's followed by the National Security Hour. And then at 9 o'clock, it's After Dark with Robin Andrew. I'm Booker Scott. This is The Truth Be Told. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, also, don't forget about Viewpoint this Sunday with Malcolm, Sunday morning, and then the encore presentation of that. If you're not an early riser, you can catch that Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Next guest here is a marketing guru. He's written several books, a couple of them, Deep State, 15 Surprising Dangers You Should Know, and also the one we're going to get into here in this segment, The Christian Voter, Seven Non-Negotiables for Voting For, Not Against Your Values. His name is Craig Huey. Craig, welcome to The Truth Be Told. Booker, it's great to be with you. Well, you know, Craig, so many people are overwhelmed and they think maybe it's too late to do anything about this country. Is there anything that we can do? What do we need to do to make a difference? We have the need to mobilize people to vote in this upcoming election, uh, to vote their values and not sit on the sideline. And and we also need to be able to do uh, a major thing. In both of my books, one of the things I stress uh, is the issue of government education, how the local public schools uh, ha- have become indoctrination mills in the smallest of towns in Iowa, in small uh, little towns in Tennessee. Even in Florida, uh, uh, you've, you've got uh, 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 local school boards and, and teachers that would rather indoctrinate the kids than teach the kids. And, and, and so having school choice is all, is absolutely essential to turn America around. And then I've talked about people voting. You know, let me just tell you one example of a voting block. Um, so many people in this last election did not vote. Uh, 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 in 2022 and in the presidential race of 2020, they sat on the sidelines. Uh, and and the, I'll give you an example of evangelical churches. Evangelical churches, uh, they will vote, those people will vote 84% conservative. But in the local evangelical church, the average church, about of the people who are going to that church are not currently registered to vote. It's amazing. And then those who are registered to vote, about 60 to 70% of them will not vote in this upcoming primary. And and about 50% of them won't vote in the general election that's coming up. And, 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 uh, and that's a failure of the pastors of mobilizing and, uh, the church and registering and getting them out to vote. It's a failure of church leaders. And yes, anybody going to church, uh, they, they need to be light and salt in their local church to get people out to vote. We can turn America around. 
right now, if I took a look at what's going on with uh, the power of the radical left and the march towards socialism and the march towards secularism, I would say there really isn't much hope. But I got to tell you, the, 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 the secret weapon we have to turn America around are the Christians in the churches if they would get out and vote in this upcoming election. And so that is going to be the key. That's one of the reasons I, I wrote the book, uh, The Christian Voter, to be able to give practical ways how Christians can mobilize people to vote their values, not against their values. Well, one thing, uh, in, in the 24 uh, uh, states that have ballot harvesting, the church can do ballot harvesting. For example, in Calvary, uh, Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills, California, what they'll do is they make sure people in their church are registered. Then the pastor will tell people, bring your ballots on, on ballot harvesting Sunday. And they'll call, come in and bring their ballots. And then they'll have a voter guide that they can go down and see what, how to vote their values and where the candidates stand on the issues. And that way they can uh, vote intelligently. And, and then the, they hand the ballot to the pastor and the pastor brings it to the polling booth. Now that's legal. That's called ballot harvesting. Mm -hmm. That's what the radical left does to control elections and, in many states, and uh, and uh, Republicans don't even know how to do it or no. uh, here, uh, uh, competing with it, but the church can. You give me four uh, large churches in one uh, uh, you know local assembly or state senate area, you'll win the election. You give me six of those churches in a congressional district, we'll flip uh, a seat from a and, you know, a, a, a radical socialist Democrat to a good candidate simply by doing the church vote. Uh, Craig, you Craig, register I, want, I want you to say that again, because that is what you just said is so important. It, and because so many people are always wondering, what can I do? What can I do? This is yeah. something that people in our audience can actually go do. Those of you that, that go to a church service and are involved in your church, listen to what Craig just said. I think it's really important to make a difference in flipping seats, congressional seats and Senate seats in your state and in the federal government. Say, say that again, because I think it's important. Sure. You can take a assembly or state Senate seat and change it. Even if you had no hope of winning that election before, you can flip that seat just by getting the church vote out. And six churches for a congressperson uh, is huge. And that's the secret weapon. That's the power of the church that can be used. And there's, you know, uh, Christians can personally make sure that their church is involved in the election. If for some reason the church refuses to do that, um, they probably should change the church, but if they stay in that church, then 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 they could uh, uh, still be able to register people one on one. They can be able to uh, get people to volunteer to help candidates with texting and phoning or going door to door. There's so many things that can be done, but in in the church in the states that don't allow ballot harvesting, like Florida prohibits it, Tennessee prohibits it. It should be prohibited nationwide, but the states that do prohibit, you can still have the pastor 
be the main spark or the church leadership or a group within the church. I had gone in the last election, I went to about 20 different churches and, and, and the pastor invited us, the, my wife and I, to be able to speak to those uh, people in the church and be able to give them how to vote their values and what the key issues are. Key issues like uh, support of Israel, key issues such as protecting Christian rights, key issues such as protecting the unborn. The, these are things that uh, Christians can agree on and, and, and indeed, based upon the biblical values, biblical worldview, they have to vote that way. Otherwise, they're voting against their values, not yeah. for their values. And a lot of people don't understand that, but that's a fantastic point. I know you just have a couple of more minutes. Give us two non-negotiables when, as a Christian, you're going to vote. What what would be a couple that you would say? Yeah, um, qu- quite frankly, uh, 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 the book outlines uh, uh, some that people don't even think about. But one is... Uh, protecting homeschooling and Christian schools and private schools and promoting uh, school choice. That, that is so essential to protecting the little children, to being able to uh, uh, reach out to uh, 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 making sure the indoctrination doesn't happen. And it's something that also really gets uh, a moms excited. And so that's one of the non-negotiables. Uh, another one, is the persecuted church throughout the world right now as we speak christians are being killed for their faith and uh, uh few know that under president trump one of the initiatives that was done and should be done again whoever the president is reaching out and saying to these uh, governments that are allowing this persecution to happen saying we're not giving you foreign aid we're not giving you any type of special treatment. You have to protect uh, the the religious minority, and 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 also giving other types of help. And and that that's one of the issues. You're voting for brothers and sisters in Christ who are being killed for their faith. Um, and then closely aligned right here in the U.S., one of the non-negotiables, uh, I call it non-negotiable number one, is Christian liberty. Mm-hmm. The protection of people who are workers to be able to be people of faith without persecution and having to be indoctrinated with uh, strange ideologies uh, or uh, coerced to compromise their biblical values. You, you, we, it, it deals with Christian business owners being able to make choices without compromising their Christian values because the radical left wants us to compromise. Uh, it deals with uh, students who are uh, at colleges and high schools, even junior highs, even elementary schools. Uh, it, it deals with uh, uh, even th- th- there's a lawsuit now going on because uh, uh, the uh, Department uh, of Veterans uh, has a house uh, uh, for uh, widows and, and, and uh, of a military, and this lady was doing a home Bible study within the facility, and the government said you can't do that. Mm. Well, this type of thing is wrong, and this is why we need to protect 
uh, religious liberty. You don't have to be a Christian to uh, to agree with that simple position. But these bureaucrats, these deep state bureaucrats that are ideologically driven, want to drive out religious faith, and they want to drive out, in particular, Christianity. And uh, uh, this is this is a war that's going on, and that's why this is a non-negotiable issue in the upcoming election. We're at a point where we could lose this country. I speak about it a lot, and I think you've given some great points on some things that we can actually do. And I, Craig, I, I know your time is so valuable, and I really appreciate you coming on, but I want to be respectful of your time. I know that you have to go, but thank you so much for joining us. Great. Really enjoyed it, and uh, I appreciate the time. And a big thank you to Craig Huey there, also Chris Widener, for joining us here on the program tonight. Uh, Unleashed, the political news hour, it is coming up next, right here. Don't forget to go to americaoutloud.news for great content. There's the shop there. Use the code OUTLOUD for a discount, up to 25% off. Check that out. My name is Booker Scott, and you were told over 2,000 years ago that you are the salt of the earth. And salt without flavor, it has no value. So keep being salty. There is only one truth. You've been listening to The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott on America Out Loud. <laughs>